Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quantum Heart Cafe. And as promised, I did say I'd be back for another episode this week. And I'm going to be doing a book, sort of like a book, my summary review, just kind of give my general overall thoughts on a book that is recently finished reading, uh, The Enchanted Life, Unlocking the Magic of the Everyday by Sharon Blackie. And it's, it was a really, it was a wonderful book. I enjoyed reading it very much. And I'm going to get into it in just a quick moment, but I first, I wanted to start off with the show with just a, a little, a, a moment of gratitude. I think that's probably something I'm going to build into the show is just showing gratitude and appreciation. I know with everything going on in society, it can be, sometimes it feels like things are shifting or falling apart. And for me, I often find gratitude very grounding, even if it's just something small, like being grateful for a sunny day or just being grateful for food on the table or loving family. Uh, I find doing those gratitude, just thinking about gratitude and the things that and the people in my life to be grounding and helpful and healthy for navigating this strange new world we're in right now. Um, and I just want to say how grateful I am today for, and it was pretty, it, what, we did have a little bit of sunshine right now. I currently live in what is called Vancouver. Um, it's on the unceded territory of the Musqueam uh, First Nations people and um, right now we're going through you know we're starting our winter pretty soon and but we did have a little bit of a break in the weather today and received some sunshine which was really nice I went for a walk so I'm just grateful to be outside and uh, getting some fresh air which is so good for us and getting a little bit of vitamin D and that kind of brings me I kind of do, it gives a nice bridge into the topic of today, which is the just doing the overview and summary of the enchanted life, unlocking the magic of every day, by Sharon Blackie, because her the one of the main themes of her book uh, was talking about enchantment and it how we can fall in love with the world again, and. What I mean by that is often times we have these stories that we grow up with, these narratives about the world, and we're educated with these narratives and these storytelling or in these stories. And I mean, we see them all over the place in our schools, movies and TV shows. And it's just they're, they're stories which tell us that the world is in is a certain way and one of those stories comes out of kind of the enlightenment period where you kind of see the world as a mechanistic from a mechanistic point of view and what I mean by that is looking at the world as a mechanical object or looking at the world as a, just a, as a machine and, and not just the world, but universe and, and the beings that live here, just looking at them as things. 
uh, objects instead of living beings. And of course, not every not everyone sees the world this way. And I'm going to get that to that in a moment. Um, I just it's just the dominant one of the dominant narratives in Western in the Western world right now is the mechanistic point of view. And but that's all kind of based on a story. And it's a, a story that was created by certain philosophers like Rene Descartes when he said, I think, therefore I am. And kind of proposing that the, I mean, it wasn't just him, but kind of proposing that the world is kind of, or, or the matter doesn't have any, anything living in it. And I may not be saying that, I don't know if I'm summarizing that in a, in the best way possible, but it's just seeing the world in, that it's kind of like a nihilistic point of view where there's nothing is alive. There's no spirit in, uh, around us that it's all just kind of inanimate objects and they can be exploited. They can be used forever for whatever means we want. And, uh, relationships are seen as very transactional. You, know, you, you get something and you're expected to give, or you give something and you're expected to give something or get something in return. And uh, there's no real magic or there's no sense of enchantment. It's more of a sense of um, disembodiment in, in a way and a disconnect from the world around us. And in a way, I think maybe even being afraid of the physical world uh, we're kind of seeing with this whole uh, health narrative right now that, you know, the world is, there's little things you can't see and they're deadly and we have to, you know, do all these things to protect ourselves from them when the, the reality is, is that there's nothing really to be afraid of. Um, I, bacteria and viruses have been around for a very long time. And they're not going away anytime soon. And rather than being afraid, it's just being healthy. Wash your hands. Like, look after yourself. I mean, this whole thing, this whole narrative has been going on for two plus years now. And it's still going strong. And there's another, it's, you know, there's another, another narrative that just came out recently, right? So... But I think most people are starting to realize that, which is good. And I'm just saying that, like, there's nothing to be, af like, the physical world, there's no reason to be afraid of the physical world in that way. And I know for me, like, I've been thinking about what she wrote and what Sharon wrote in her book. And I've already kind of been starting a journey of reconnecting with my inner self, reconnecting with my inner spirit and reconnecting with the world around me and, and through being out outside and interacting with the birds and just going out and enjoying being in nature or being of nature, not just with nature, but being of nature. And it's helped me get through some pretty tough times and it's those connections and 
that we have with the natural world that we have with each other and those connections that we have with our spirit that are so important for our well-being and continuing to be isolated and disembodied from them and to fall or become captured in a way by a fear-based narrative is detrimental to our mental health and to our kids and grandkids mental health and I mean there's some other stuff going on and I don't really want to I'll go into that in, in a different podcast because otherwise you can you know end up going down a rabbit hole and it's not really the focus of this podcast for today but I will be talking about that later and I think talking about stories and narratives and myths and legends is going to be one of the main or main focus of this um, podcast because it's through stories, the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves of, as a culture that can shape our behavior and we can create our own stories. We can learn to create our own narratives. We can learn to question the stories that we're being given. We can learn to question the narratives that we ha- have been given and perhaps it's time to start thinking about the stories that we want to create for ourselves and the stories that we want to create for our kids and grandkids. And I know you could kind of dismiss this as just kind of fluff, but there is a power. There is a power in creative storytelling. And uh, the bards know this. Storytelling cultures, oral tra- cultures with oral traditions, they know this. And if you think, I mean, Hollywood and the TV, I mean, that's why we, uh, I mean, I don't have a TV anymore. I got rid of my TV about maybe four or five months ago, and I love it. I'm never getting another TV again. Um, But it's one of the reasons why I used to watch TV was because I enjoyed the stories. I'm not to say that some movies or TV shows are, they're all bad. I'm just saying that, like, um, I don't want my creativity and my mind to be captured by corporations anymore. So, you know, I'll still watch a movie from time to time or watch TV shows from time to time. But, you know, I'm, I'm now at a point where I want to wrestle back my, my mind space from people that I don't think should have it anymore because their interests are not aligned with my interests anymore. They're pretty selfish interests and I would prefer to live in a more um, creative and fair just and compassionate society and uh, the people that creating TV behind the creation of these TV shows and movies generally speaking for the most part maybe some of them are aren't like this but for the most part are predatory you know they they only they just use these mediums these channels uh, as a means to convey their own ideals and their own nar- narratives and their own stories, and if we're not careful, we can be, we can come to believe that they're true, when they're, when maybe it's important to question them. You know, are they true, or is this just a a, f- a fabrication that they've made? Is this a, a false reality that they're trying to push, push on us with their stories? Um, and in the enchanted life. Um, Sharon Blackie does speak quite a bit about story and narrative 
and how we can work with stories and narrative to reconnect with the world and the places that we are we live in and that we grow up in and we can also start to cultivate a sense of wonder again um i mean you see in children like before they're you know educated in and stuff like that like they're very curious they they love the world around them they want to know so much like they they they're out they're playing you know they're asking questions they're curious they think you know everything's so beautiful and fresh to them and then as kid you know from kids we grow up and we you know maybe we ex- experience and go through some traumatizing events or we're just told that you know we got to get a 9 to 5 job and pay the mortgage and pay the rent and get married and all those things not that that stuff is inherently bad but it's just that that's kind of like a, a story or a script that we're given and to deviate from that you know it does cause people anxiety i don't know if anyone who's listening to this has ever decided that they want to be an artist or they want to create follow their passion or start a small business and then the amount of resistance you get from the people around you who think that oh that's a crazy idea that won't work you can't make money off of it how are you going to pay your bills and blah 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 and it's just it's frustrating and it's because you're taking the brave step to of deviating from that story to create your own and but then you read you know through that process um of creating your own story it's like it's it feels far more liberating and freeing for your spirit because then you're finally embracing who you are and and you're finally connecting with the world around you. At least that's how I feel. Um, and this is, for me, this is kind of what this podcast is, is kind of stepping away from, you know, and society's like mainstream narrative. I mean, which is already changing anyway. Um, and just learning to create my own narrative and learning how to listen to the universe and listen to synchronicities and messages that I receive. And, and for the most part, I've received some very positive messages from this about starting this podcast. So I figured why not just try it and see what happens and maybe I can inspire others to do the same. What I really appreciated about Sharon Blackie's work is how she encourages us to reconnect with uh, some cultural myths, our culture, our own cultural myths. And I understand how that can be kind of tricky, especially if you're a European or someone of European descent living on Turtle, Turtle Island, was currently called North America. You know, you may feel like you don't have anything to fall back on, but if you go further enough in your ancestry you'll find, you'll find something. Uh, that's what I did about, or that's what I've been doing about for about the last year, year and a bit now, um, is reconnecting with my own ancestry. I am half, I do have an Irish ancestry and I've been learning more about the uh, myths and legends through just reading books like the Cattle Raid of Cooley and understanding you know, reading a bit about um, famous bards like Tolson. And 
So there's a lot of mythology. I mean, there's also Greek mythology. There's um, uh, Kemet, or what was currently called Egypt, Egyptian mythology. All I'm saying is that there's a rich body of stories and myths and legends available to learn, available, and they have a lot of wisdom in them. And they have a lot of information and meaning that can be helpful for people trying to create meaning in their own lives. Um, and then there's also, like I said earlier, uh, cultural myths that are perpetuated through the media. And some of them are okay, and but there's a lot of them that are pretty unhealthy. And so maybe it's just being becoming conscious or becoming aware of the stories that we're being told by the mainstream media and by kind of the dominant society and whether they resonate with you or not. And whether, I mean, there's certain ones that I don't resonate with. And um, I mean, I don't really watch, like I said, I don't really watch a lot of TV anymore. And I'm kind of glad because, <laughs> again, I don't want my meaning and my experiences to be defined by a corporation. I want to be able to define those things myself. Um, but uh, maybe just as an exercise for something to think about later on for yourselves is, you know, what kind of, you know, what cultural narratives do you notice in society and do they resonate with you or do they, um, or when you start to think about them and become aware of them, um, do you think they're true, or do you think that perhaps they're kind, they're kind of a false reality? And it's a question that Sharon poses in one of her uh, chapters, and I think it's an interesting question just to pose here. And, uh, and that's one of the things I really like about uh, Sharon's book is also in the chapter, she usually offers some uh, exercises where, you know, she asks you as a reader questions just to reflect and think about the world around us a bit, you know, to think about how we can create wonderment and, excite and enchantment in our own lives. And some of it could be just as simple as maybe exploring some great creative avenue like uh, if you've always wanted to uh, start learning how to paint or writing stories or uh, perhaps playing a musical instrument uh, for me it's this podcast I do enjoy reading books so maybe uh, for me it's uh, doing these kind of book reviews and having these sorts of discussions and you know maybe later on having interviews with um, people like Sharon Blackie, um, and just, you know, just having, so maybe mine is more like a essay writing, storytelling, auditory avenue, and perhaps for you, it may be something else, but art and creativity is an interesting and really meaningful way to create wonderment and enchantment with the world around us. Um, and another, uh, in another chapter, uh, Sharon also spoke about the our homes, like how we become we can can we can or sorry, how we can become connected with our homes, and 
she brought up a really interesting. I didn't really think about it before because I, I, I will admit I have gone into IKEA stores and you know I've kind of been interested in like how they lay out a room. It's so creative and neat and tidy, um, but then it's also like, and she brought up a point. It's also, is it kind of like this manufactured creativity? Where it's kind of uh, it's beautiful, but maybe it lacks a little bit of warmth. Like it's beautiful, but it's not really personalized to me as an individual or or to you. Our homes and the places that we spend our time in we're connected to them and they're connected to us. And so how, how does that, how does our home and how does the place that we're in reflect that connection? You know, do we have like pictures of family members around our house? Do we have like ornaments and maybe some items that we've collected throughout the years that they're not just I mean, we don't see them. They're not junk for us. For us, they're meaningful. There's something meaningful in some of those items. You know, perhaps it's a, a an ornament that was passed down from someone, from maybe a grandmother or, or your mother on you. Like I, I have some items that my grandma gave to me before, you know, when she was alive and... I don't really want to part with them because they, they're meaningful to me. But to someone else, they might be a piece of junk. But these items have been with me for a while and they, they kind of carry their own story. Or maybe you've been out, uh, I've had th this too, where you know I've been out for a, a walk or gone to the beach or... Um, gone for, yeah, I got, maybe gone hiking and I come across something like maybe it's a really interesting stone or it's a really cool, um, or some sort of object that someone left behind, maybe like a little toy or I don't know, just something, but you know, it catches my eye and it kind of reminds me of that experience. And so I end up taking it home with me and maybe displaying it somewhere. And it's like it's an embodiment of a memory. How I was, it's, it's my connection to that spot is expressed in that object and, or in that, in that stone or, or in that, um, the branch that I brought back with me. And it's not about hoarding or anything like that. But it's just finding, sometimes on our journey, we find tokens or items that ex that remind us of a, an important time in our lives. And, and I thought that was really, I enjoyed reading that. I thought that was a really wonderful way to create a sense of grounding and to create, create a sense of connection with the world around us. And...
And it, again, it kind of embodies how powerful those stories and that storytelling is for us. Uh, you know, the stories of the how we acquire the objects in our lives, the stories of how we go from one place to another, and how um, when we go to a new place, even the land and the weather have uh, a relationship with us. Um, you know, perhaps we live, we move into an environment that's very windy. Maybe it's cold all the time, and the landscape has been me a bit, a bit rough. And but then we start to develop a relationship with the land, and we develop a relationship with the the rough seas and the the wind. And it doesn't become, they're not just objects or things anymore, but they become part of that meaningful relationship to the areas that we're living in. And I just find that very enriching to see, to even have sometimes discussions with the wind or have discussions with the trees and, and the birds and the salt and the, the bushes to sometimes go out for a walk and not just see it as a walk but as a pilgrimage you know thinking maybe I'll see some really interesting synchronicity or I'll have a really interesting interaction with some of the crows or the squirrels and <clears throat> that is pretty much the enchanted life in in a nutshell really is finding is as we connect with the world or as I connect with the world around me, it's moving away from being isolated and only seeing the world as just an object towards becoming, towards interacting with beings and realizing that the world is a part of me just as much as I'm a part of the world. And there's a sense of enchantment with that because then you start to, or for me, I start to have a communication, a, re a, a meaningful relationship with the area around me. And, and it's not just, you know, I'm not just trying to pass time until to the next thing until, you know, I'm six feet under. I'm actually taking time to stop and enjoy the world around me, to fall in love with the world. And that's, I think that's the, at the heart of Sharon Blackie's book, and so, again, I'm not sure if this is really a review or more of a summary, but I really enjoyed this book, and I really enjoyed her work, and I highly recommend reading it, especially considering that we're in a time now where, you know, with the fourth, the push towards the fourth industrial revolution and automation and artificial intelligence, it's like there is a movement, especially among, like, the technocratic, uh, world to kind of to further disembody us from nature and to further disembody us from each other and also from our own spirits and I think Sharon Blackie's book along with lots of other books and and works of art are ways to maintain that connection and ways to resist it because I mean I personally I don't really want to live in that technocratic world and it sounds like we're not going to have much of a choice uh, but I prefer to remain a human being I don't want to go off into the metaverse I feel like I already have a beautiful reality around me and that 
not to say that sometimes, you know, there's isn't tragedy or that, you know, unfortunate things don't happen. They do, but that's kind of part of life. And I prefer to have that reality than a pretend reality on the metaverse where I'm some like weird avatar <laughs> and playing like pretend games. It's just, it feels like such a waste of a life and life is a gift and it's a gift to be learned and I know that, or to be enjoyed, sorry. And I know there's a lot of pain and trauma in the world and there's a lot of pain and trauma in our ancestry and European ancestry and in other, uh, and other, I mean, we have, I mean, it is true. Like, I don't know how else to say it, but as Europeans, we have been involved in colon our ancestors and to the, to this very day, we're still involved in colonization. And so there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of healing to be done and there's a lot of work. And I just, I'd rather have that and be involved with that reality than to try and escape from that or to go off into some weird metaverse that are going to be controlled by people that don't like people. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard the elites talk about just regular ordinary people, but they don't have very nice things to say about us. And, you know, they think that we're like we're cattle, that we're um, sheep, and that we're stupid, and that we're useless, and that the only thing that we they call us what useless breeders and all this other all these other insults. When really, they're the ones that need us because they're the ones that steal our money all the time through taxes. I mean, they don't do anything; they sit on their ass, and you know, they they play, they get to enjoy their life of luxury off of our hard work, you know? Like, that's how they've, that's how they've created their wealth. They didn't, I mean, I don't think any of them have raised a hammer, took a, and built a house. They probably got someone else to do it for them. So... <clears throat> But you know they think we're stupid, so I don't know. They've seen, they've, I heard them say some pretty awful things about human beings, and about the natural world. And so I don't really want my thoughts and my life controlled by people that don't like me. Because <laughs> I mean, if you do that, then you open. I feel like I'm opening myself up to being a punching bag. You know what I mean? So. I'll take my chances with the real world and with stories and find my own meaningful, rich stories. And I think The Enchanted Life is a wonderful book to help me get started in that direction. And uh, I feel like it's a really nice book to segue into another book I'm reading. And I'm going to do... That's what Next week's going to be about... And it's going to be a book review on uh, Dion Fortune's The Magical Battle of Britain. <clears throat> and you're just like, what? Who is that? Well, Dion Fortune, she was a um, occultist and esoteric teacher from the uh, early... Oh, she lived during World War II. So she's about the 1900s. And... Um, she founded a magical order, and I'll, I'll go in more details about her history uh, next week. 
But uh, she also wrote, not only did she find found an esoteric school, but she also wrote a number of books on subjects on uh, esoteric science. And one of them, which I highly recommend, I probably, I might review it later, but there's some other books I want to read first. But um, she wrote a book called uh, Psychic Self-Defense. I highly recommend checking it out. It's a really good book. Like we're, I think we're at a point now where we got like it's really important to start taking spiritual sciences and esoteric science seriously. And it's not bad stuff. Like I know that there's a lot of misinformation out there about you know how it's being bad. No, it's not. It's it's a way for us to understand our inner world. And yes, it can just like anything, it can be taken and used by people for nefarious reasons, and that does happen. But it's also a means for us to explore our inner selves, for us to develop our inner consciousness. And one of the big heavyweights in esoteric science they're going to be talking about very soon, probably after Dion Fortune's book, is Rudolf Steiner. And he was another German, a German, no, sorry, I think he was Austrian. I am so sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, but he was a mystic and he spoke quite a bit about uh, the not you know getting to know higher worlds, how old humanity is. We're, according to Rudolf Steiner, we are very old, and we're going through an evolution. We've continued. We've always been going through kind of like an evolutionary phase, and we're still going through one. And he also uh, spoke about how we can develop our consciousness, and I think that's so important right now is to develop our inner consciousness. And so those are those topics are going to be coming up over the next little while, and but I'm really excited about the unfortunate is the magical battle of Britain because, um, you know, just to give a little bit of a snip, a, a little taste of what is in her book is that um, her and a and a group of other dedicated people used um, meditation and the inner work to help uh, fight for Britain, but on the like inner, the unseen, but in the unseen world. And there was meditation and um, the use of like symbols and imagery. And um, like, I don't think it's, I'm not sure if it's something for a novice to work with, but it just it's really interesting to see how powerful meditation can be and how important our mind and our thoughts are and our intentions are. And that's probably what I'm going to be talking about. And that's what I'll be talking about next week. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this uh, su sort of summary about the enchanted life. I, I'm pretty sure my summaries will start getting a lot better. This is the second podcast I've made so I'm still getting used to um, doing like book reviews and summaries and stuff and there's always room to grow and if anyone has any helpful suggestions or tips for um, doing summaries then please feel free to uh, send me send me uh, uh, some comments and I also enjoyed some decaf coffee tonight I um, don't want to drink uh, caffeinated coffee in the evening just because I probably have a hard time going to sleep. Um, 
So I have I usually have a decaf coffee in the evening, but just sticking with that quantum cafe theme. So I had some decaf coffee from, uh, I know it's Starbucks, it's a large corporation, but someone gave it to me, so I just decided that, hey, what the heck, I should, I'll drink it, and then once I'm done that, I'll um, drink coffee and decaf coffee from independent uh, coffee roasters. So with that being said, I hope everyone has a beautiful week. And your week is full of gratitude and blessings. And um, I enjoyed I enjoy talking to you tonight. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you next week. Have a good night. And thank you very much. <laughs>